Hello and welcome to Stories from House Arrest. This is Jordan Merrick here and it's so great to be here as always. And I'm so excited about this week because it's the first guest from Newcastle and uh, my first guest from Interstate. And I can't really include Lisa. I was thinking about this earlier. Technically, she's from Sydney, but doing the interview in person, you know, I just uh, sort of, uh, I don't know if I can really count that. But either way. Amy V is on this week and she is an incredible person and has such a unique story to tell, um, which, you know, I don't really want to get into spoilers. I want to leave it really fresh and for you guys to discover as you're listening because it's uh, it's really special and it's so good to, to have a chance to talk to some somebody from you know somewhere like Newcastle, such a different experience to COVID than you know, Brisbane and Sydney, not that we like talking about COVID, it's such an annoying, overused thing of discussion these days, but I really love hearing people's journeys through it and how, uh, you know, they've had to overcome things and how, you know, they have overcome things and learned from it. And to have the chance to share that, I think is so important because we learn from trials, you know, we learn from mistakes, we learn from, you know, Things like world-changing events. God, if that doesn't teach you about yourself, then nothing will really. So it's so awesome to hear her perspective on, you know, on the event and how everything has gone for her since. Um, You may have seen on social media too that I've decided to move the podcast to fortnightly, at least for the time being. Um, In truth, work and music and podcast all together, along with uh, whatever semblance of a, a personal life I've got, is extremely uh, tricky to balance at times. So, for me, I really wanted to be able to focus on on having really good quality conversations with guests and having the time to get the editing right, you know, when needed. Um, and I didn't want to feel like, uh, you know, this is a chore because it's not. I really love it, and for me, having you know, having a focus on having really good quality conversations, not, oh crap, I'm running out of time, I need to do another episode, you know, I really want this to to remain, you know, what what's made it special in the first place, and why, you know, hopefully you really enjoy listening, so, uh, fortnightly, I don't know if that's going to last for forever, or if it's going to be short term until uh, my life gets a bit less uh, chaotic, uh, either way, you know, we're here, well, we're here at least every fortnight, um, you never know if I get some extra time up my sleeve, I might just uh, chuck up an episode of, uh, I don't know, who knows, me rambling whilst playing piano and uh, and drinking wine. I don't know, that sounds like a horrible episode, so let's just not do that. But on to what is going to be a good episode. Please sit back, relax wherever you are, and enjoy this conversation with the amazing, legendary Amy V. Amy, how are you? Hello there. I'm very well, thank you. Oh, that's good. It's not like we've been chatting for like five minutes before that introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Oh, well, thanks so much for coming on. As I was saying before, I'm really excited to have you on. You're obviously someone I've known for a little bit of time and um, really keen to to learn more about you as a person and not just through your great music, but um, I figure... What better way to start than uh, the good old-fashioned 2020-2021 period of uh, COVID that we've just (laughs) gone through? Um, How are the last few years for you in your neck of the woods? Yeah, look, you know, probably very similar to many other people that you've spoken to. Um, It's been pretty rough, but, uh, you know, when this all began, let me give you a bit of a backstory. so I have a background in, as well as being a professional musician for 20 odd years, um, I also have a background in mental health. So I, I have a, an honours in psychology and I worked in mental health for over a decade. And I decided in February of 2020, note the date, um, mm-hmm. that I was going to give up or, to, you know, pause my mental health work for a little while and focus completely on music. I'd just released an album the year before which I'd started to tour and I really wanted to tour that a lot more and and um and just do lots more writing and and more touring so I was like I quit my job that I'd been in for a long time Mm. um and was ready to throw myself in and literally a month later um you know the pandemic hit our shores and everything just completely stopped um and I was completely incapable of doing any kind of touring um 
all the plans I had fell away. So yeah, it was pretty disastrous timing. Um, I also moved house in March of 2020. So there was all kinds of chaos going on. and you know once in a way it was kind of good because it sort of distracted me from what was happening around the world um but once we sort of you know got in and got settled it all just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks and i think for the first few months i think i felt like i was kind of in a state of paralysis like i just Mm. did not know what to do with myself um you know i found it physically i just felt really numb like i just couldn't do anything um i felt really you know that that lack of control i guess that everybody's been experiencing um Mm. so yeah it was pretty pretty horrible but then you know like so many other musicians and artists you know i tried to channel some of that stuff into uh, my creative work so uh, i put out a single in july 2020 i think it was um which was very, you know, very much a response to the position that I was in at that time was a song called Forget Me, which was about, you know, being stuck in your own head. And, um, mm. and then after that, um, I actually had a request from a friend of mine who's um, quite a prolific uh, songwriter and musician. He's played on loads and loads of records and he lives in Nashville. And um, he said, hey, I've got this little private online song club um which is just a fun thing we've been doing to basically keep ourselves you know flexing our songwriting muscles Mm. um and we have a space would you like to join you have to submit one song every week um and i was like you know i kind of laughed and i was like i can't even finish the song in a month let alone a week (laughs) um so this is ridiculous but hey if i'm ever going to try it now is the perfect time so um yeah so i kind of went yeah sure i'll I'll give it a go and um i ended up sticking at it for about 40 weeks Um, oh wow and the only reason i stopped was uh it was in february of the following year when some gigs started to become available again and people started to go out and and tour again so i could i just didn't have the time anymore um but it, it you know it taught me a lot it taught me a lot about my songwriting process and it taught me a lot about just letting go and um you know being in the moment of songwriting and trusting the process a little bit because you kind of you have to just go with whatever the idea is there's no time Mm. to kind of overthink things so yeah I actually learned a lot and I felt like it helped me to tap into this part of my songwriting that was just way more authentic um and you know that, that cares a little bit less about the perception of you know what the song is at the end it's just about just doing the work and and not really being too mindful of what happens in the end because you know at the end of the day it's my song i can choose what i do with it once it's written um and there isn't that there's not that kind of pressure of like i have to release it or it has to be part of an album or whatever um yeah and weirdly it, it actually i i preferred you know the stuff that i was putting out because of that because it felt it just felt more honest so yeah. um yeah oh, that so that that was great. a thing and then yeah, yeah. and then yeah, you know 2021 was was weird because it was like we started to go out and do shows again and it felt amazing and you know there was this renewed enthusiasm from audiences who were just like really hungry for for live music again and and things were looking quite positive and again you know i had lots of stuff lined up for for the beginning of this year Mm. um and you know it's like we're back to square one again where it's just every day there's a new cancellation or postponement and and we you know there's this time around it it feels even harder because we're so exhausted from this last two years and because you know we're not getting a lot of financial support um Mm. so it's just like you know worrying all the time about how i'm gonna pay my bills and look after my family and all of that stuff as well so yeah it's yeah. pretty it's pretty tough <laughs> it's yeah it's been such a roller coaster and like like just relating back to like you know 2020 i was definitely in the same boat of feeling very numb for a big chunk of that um mm. then i you know th- through music honestly got me through it and then 2021 rolls around and you know, you start to book shows again and you think, oh, here we go. Well, you know, we're making a comeback. And then, 
it all happens again, lockdowns happen again, and things, you know, mm. shows are cancelled again. Um, a bit better than the last year, but then, yeah, as you said, this year rolls around, and it's just like, I think we're all just, just sitting there tapping our toes and waiting for this thing to blow over. I think it's just now we've accepted, when is it going to yeah. finish? Like, when are you going to stop overstaying your welcome and leave us be, you know? It's just, uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty yeah, crazy. Yeah, it feels, it feels unending. <laughs> and yeah. it's, you know, it, the sad thing is I've seen so many people just step back you know they've just tapped out and said i can't do this anymore and they've you know gone on to do follow some other career path or you know make music um not well maybe not their profession but they've kind of you know said i'll keep it as a hobby and i just need to do something else which is really sad because i feel Mm. like we're missing out on so much amazing art now because of that we're losing all these these really great artists yeah, definitely. And it like, you know, not to take a stab at the the government and things like that, but even like this stuff in the news recently with Hillsong's sing and mm. dance camp <laughs> happening and then no repercussions and you think all these music festivals that have been cancelled over and over again, even hey, look at Torchfest through Listen Up Music mm. having to be postponed and cancelled several hundred times it feels like. <laughs> it feels like um, that, yeah. Yeah, and the pressures that it's that that bookers are under and everyone is under in the in the arts industry, and only for you know yeah. those guys to just get away with it, it's so frustrating because it just goes to show really how little value you know the government really sees in the arts. Um, you know. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's just I feel like we're in a very misunderstood industry. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like people don't really know how we work, and because it is quite different to so many other industries, um, I feel like there's just that general lack of consideration. You know, every time something like this comes up, um, mm. you know, we don't fit neatly into the little boxes that the the you know governments or whoever would like us to tick. Um, and so, and so many of us fall through the gaps because of that, you know, um, yeah. we've seen it happen over and over again. And I think how many times are we going to go through this before, before somebody kind of picks up, Hey, there's a whole section of people here who are really, really struggling and who aren't getting any support. Um, yeah. you know, that I know there's been a recent announcement around festivals, which is great. Um, but you know, again, at an individual level that that's not particularly helpful at this point in time and I think you know even from that we're not going to see the results of that for many many months and right now there are people out there who can't pay the bills <laughs> um, yeah yeah so yeah it's tricky yeah mm. and I, I wanted to ask you as well just sort of um, going back to the songwriting uh, and how you were writing you know a song a week for, for 40 weeks I was curious um, with the actual songs themselves did you find like this period of time has really shaped what you're writing about i know you said you're letting yourself be free through your writing but Mm. did you find yourself writing about the times or or was it sort of writing business as usual sort of as an escape or well i think what i've always done as a songwriter is i've just i've written my response to situations (laughs) Mm. so it's not necessarily kind of directly you know themes around a global pandemic as such but it's it's how i how i feel about it so Mm. um it's a lot of it is kind of processing those thoughts and feelings and that can kind of go in a range of different directions and my you know lyrically my stuff is generally quite abstract anyway so Mm. um yeah but it's funny like there is a little bit of that that's filtered through but i also think it's given me a bit of freedom to write about things that maybe I wouldn't otherwise have written about. You know, I've found myself when, when I was going through that process of one song a week, I found myself kind of going, if I was struggling for lyrics, going back to, you know, the classics, kind of looking at literature and poetry and, Mm. and, you know, writing some responses to that or writing, you know, a particular story, but from a different perspective or, you know, Mm. it, it just kind of, yeah, it allowed me to explore a different type of storytelling that maybe I wouldn't have if I was just, you know, going along on my usual path. Yeah, nice. Was there any like go-to literature that you were you were hitting up for inspiration? 
Um, oh, it's a bit of a mix, really. Like, you know, I know that, <laughs> um, yeah, like I kind of, I looked at like really classic um, poems and stuff. Like I, I wrote, <laughs> I wrote this song that was, um, there's a, a very famous long form poem called um, The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I decided that I was going to write, I don't know if you're familiar with the story, uh, no, but I won't, no, I won't I... try and explain it to you because it's a, it's a very long story. <laughs> but basically I wrote a song from the perspective of um, the albatross in the story. <laughs> oh, great. So there's, yeah, basically there's an ancient mariner, you know, it's a, it's a terribly tragic tale of, you know, how he basically, there's this part in the story where he shoots down this albatross out of the sky and it basically gives him a whole bunch of bad luck. Mm. Um, so I was like, nobody ever talks about the poor bird. <laughs> yeah. They always just talk about, you know, the, from this guy's perspective. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to write it like that. Um, which is, you know, a bit strange and that's all, awesome. but, but I'm a bit strange too. So it, it kind of works. Um, it's but great, also it's like a, such a great concept though. I'd love to hear that song. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like it kind of ended up sounding like, the story of a scorned lover you know somebody who was like i came in and i gave you everything that i was and i was showing you the way and then you just shot me down like um yeah so yeah it was kind of it was interesting it was an interesting mm. experience yeah that's um, awesome yeah but I, I like i love stuff like that i love the cl classic stuff yeah yeah well speaking of your songs i wanted to talk about the song that you put out last year called only just mm -hmm. now that song is just so cool you know what what because I, I was listening to your music um, again before and um just had it on shuffle and that song came on and the first thing that comes to my mind is like man i could totally see david bowie singing this song oh it wow. just had <laughs> such a vibe to it did you record that like in your home studio or how did you do that one? No, I wish. Um, <laughs> I was so going to say, because I know, I know you've obviously got a, like a little setup at home. So I was thinking, man, did you put that together? Right? Yeah, that I wish banging. I did. Um, oh, thank you. Um, yeah, no, that, that is my amazing producer, Gareth Hudson. That's his work. So I, most of the stuff I've recorded has been with him over the last 10 years or so. Um, he, we're very good friends and I, you know, we're so lucky. I'm so lucky that I have that relationship with him where I feel very trusting of him. You know, I, I love putting my work in his hands and usually, you know, I come into the studio with a fairly fully formed song and some pretty specific ideas. And with that one, I mm. had a, a pretty solid kind of demo that I'd worked up. So we sort of took that and just, um, yeah expanded on it really but I, I had I'd been listening to a lot of um a lot of my favorite 90s artists but also you know stuff that was kind of influenced by the 70s as well and I think that's really mm. come through in the recording you know Gareth's a massive Beatles fan so you can hear a little bit of those those elements um yeah. but I also feel like it's got this kind of 90s tinge to it as well um and I was listening to some really like um you know, powerful kind of female artists that I, that I love people like Jonas police woman and, um, mm. and St. Vincent and stuff like that, where it's, you know, people, women with these really incredible, um, you know, they've kind of done their own thing. Um, yeah. so yeah. So I guess I was kind of drawing on all of those different elements and that's what brought the song together. And, and ironically, the themes of the song are, are kind of around, a person who um you know wears all these different hats and and kind of moves among all these different circles of people but doesn't really feel like they fit into any of them mm. <laughs> um and so i think that's what you hear a bit of a mishmash in there i think you know of all the different elements of the stuff that i like to listen to and yeah i think that kind of comes across in the in the production yeah definitely how does it, like, when you go to record a song like that, like, how do you find approaching a song like that, say, compared to, like, a, one of your more folkiest songs? Like, how, how, mm. do you, how do you find the, the experience? Yeah, it's funny. Like, I, I kind of got put into the, the folk genre when I was writing, like, my first album, for example, um, Fits and Starts, had a lot of kind of folky influences, I guess. 
But I really think it just had a lot to do with the acoustic instrumentation, you know, and I was using lots of strings and kind of organic sounds. Um, mm. And, you know, it's it's funny though, I never really considered myself like a, a proper folk artist <laughs> um, mm. because I, I don't know, again, I feel like it's just a camp that I don't really fit into as much as I love it. I love listening mm. to folk music. Um, I just kind of got thrown in there by people who were listening to my music. Oh yeah, that sounds like folk. Um, so it's interesting, like, and I, I feel like I'm still writing songs in the same way, but because I tend to experiment with different instrumentation, it takes on a different, the sound of a different genre, I suppose. Mm. Um, so, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think they all sound like me, um, but yeah, just, just different, different instruments and um different approaches but you know it, they're all Gareth's production as well which is mm. really interesting like his production's really evolved over the last decade too yeah um you know he's actually he's studying a master's at the moment of um like film music so oh, he's really into like you know writing film soundtracks and stuff like that so he's always bringing these new things that he's learning um you know into into the studio and it's we sort of learn and grow together which is really nice yeah no that's awesome and yeah it's funny like when i say folk i always say it as a very generalist term because it's funny i i i've always had a lot of the same problems like oh you're a folk you, you know you're at folk songs but it's like they're just songs that happen to be on acoustic guitar and then you build yeah. around them it's like it's like i always think folk as a genre is less of a genre you know based of instruments it's uh, maybe based of lyrics for me i don't know yeah i mean i don't really like genres at all personally i'm like i'm like the bitter old man who just shakes his fist at the word genre it's like <laughs> stop pigeonholing artists <laughs> but like i get why well, they exist and i get why they're handy but i i still don't like them yeah <laughs> well you know you know people like to know what to expect i guess and so when if people have never heard of your music before and they they sort of say well what do you do what do you play like what's your style they're trying to kind of visualize that i suppose and yeah. I, like i get i get that but it's tricky and when people ask me now i just say singer songwriter because i'm like that is actually a genre on um you know spotify and apple music and stuff so i'm like yeah. If they're going to class that as a genre, that's going to be me because I feel like that could be almost anything. You know, that's just an artist yeah. who writes and performs their own music. It could be any style. Yeah, for sure. I always like something that Bob Dylan said in one of his interviews in the 60s. It's like, so, so what music do you play? It's like, well, I'm a song and dance man. No. <laughs> it's like, it's great. That, I think that, that's, that's a good genre, song and dance. Song and dance. There <laughs> I you go. sing and you can tap your foot or you can dance, whatever you want to yeah. do. Well, see, my, my stuff's generally quite down-tempo, mm. so um, I don't think I could use that one. But, uh, but funnily enough, that's another, that's another kind of description I use often is like down-tempo or melancholy or, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a few other words that I sometimes throw at people. But it's funny, like, you know, I've been doing this for such a long time and you get asked that question so often you think i would have a really succinct answer by now but i still don't <laughs> yeah i think it's because us as artists right we're just we're just human beings singing our songs telling our stories that's there's really not much more to it i think if yeah you really and break the thing it down, is like if yeah. i came out and said yeah i'm a folk artist i feel like then i don't have permission to to explore other things you know um mm. And I don't ever want to be tied down to any one particular style, you know. I want yeah. I want to have a very wide palette to to mm. choose from, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think if you look at you know the best artists ever, like I think they all have that in common. None of them really do the same thing over and over and over again. They explore genres, they explore sounds, and you know I think that's what makes them such great artists is because they're willing to take a dive into a completely different sound and learn and you know all the best artists haven't have had hits and misses you know but that's mm. sort of the fun of being a songwriter and being yeah. a recording artist is exploring that and and learning about yourself along the way and about you know learning about music and sound and and creation like it's also so much fun it's why we do it right <laughs> yeah absolutely i completely agree and i think that's you know the sign of an enduring artist i think is that ability to keep 
evolving and changing and responding mm. to you know because we as human beings we change as as we grow older you know um, yeah, definitely. you know we don't stay the same person our entire lives and you can't just kind of capture that one moment and go that's me for the rest of my life um mm. you know we, we learn and we grow and so and so should our art yeah absolutely well i was gonna ask as well actually just on the topic of music and musicians and um you know obviously you're you're from newcastle and my first newcastle guest which is really exciting um beautiful part of the world um (laughs) i only ever went there once and i i actually did one of my music videos there of all places and um i just loved it it was had such a great vibe um it's such a unique little city isn't it um Mm. have, have you lived there all your life or uh, most of it. So I actually, when I was a kid, um, my whole family moved up to Tamworth um, and I lived up there for most of my school years. Um, I lived in Tamworth. So um, yeah, as soon as I could return here, I did. I've always loved it here. And people are like, oh, you know what? Have you thought about living in other places or, you know, other countries? And I'm always like, why? I, I love it here. I, like, I have everything at my fingertips, you know, there's, there's ocean, there's mountains, there's, you know, wineries, there's <laughs> like mm. everything that you could ever want. The city is not that far away. Um, we've got a great airport. I can access everything from here. Um, yeah. and you know, I have, I have done lots of travel all around the world and all around Australia. And, and I am always so grateful to be able to come back here cause it just, it really suits me. It suits my personality. It's very laid back and um and it just feels like my sanctuary you know yeah it's such a beautiful place and i love i can't remember exactly where it was but it, there's like a big is there a, is like a docks like boat docks or is it like yeah. a construction area i can't remember what it was but it was just so enormous i think it was on the way from yeah. the airport and man, I was just thinking, I could just imagine like Bruce Springsteen just rolling around town <laughs> writing working class songs in a place like Newcastle. Yeah, well, look, we've got some very working class roots here, um, you know, and a lot of that has changed over the last kind of 20 years or so. Mm. Um, you know, we've got the, I think the biggest coal port in the in the Southern Hemisphere or something. Mm. It's like ridiculous. But um, but also, you know, we, we have that kind of history of, you know, the steelworks and all of that stuff. And, mm. you know, my dad, um, when he was growing up, uh, so my parents were very young when I was born. They were still in their late teens. And mm. um, my dad actually had a job for a while working for the BHP in the in the steelworks. And um, oh, true. He and so my dad's a singer as, as well. And um, he has this great story about how he would go to work and because there was all this really heavy machinery, it was really loud. It was actually where he practiced his singing because oh, nobody great. could hear him. Like he could, you know, <laughs> scream at the top of his lungs. And um, and so that's kind of how he trained his voice. My dad's got this like massive range as well. He used to like, he used to sing like Zeppelin and stuff like that. Like, you know, oh, he's wow. got this ridiculous voice. So I'm always like, that's what I credit it to is the fact that he could just go in there and like scream his lungs out. They should but, yeah, just... Um hire out like still works for musicians to practice yeah. instead of uh band room just go and have a sing no <laughs> perfect i would feel practice. more comfortable i think you know rehearsing yeah. somewhere like that because i you know there's nothing worse than going into a quiet room and trying to sing because you feel like other people can hear me and my voice is you know too loud but um yeah i reckon that'd be awesome be very free yeah it's like a quiet room that's also soundproof, so no sounds coming in. So it's literally dead quiet, like pin drop quiet. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> so what's the what's the music scene like in Newcastle? Um, it's it's pretty good. I mean, you know, we've always had really really great artistry here. I think, um, and if anything, I think you know the fact that we've become less of an industrial town, and and you know the I feel like the culture here has kind of emerged a little bit more. It was more kind of underground before, but it's really kind of coming into its own now. And we've got, yeah, we've got some amazing bands and artists and, um, you know, all different forms of art here as well. You know, we've got really great theater and we've got some amazing dance schools and, you know, it's like, Mm. we're a very culturally rich city. Um, and that's one of the things that I, I love about it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, that's sort of what like drew me to even go flying from Brisbane to Newcastle to do a music video was the videographer I work with. Um, I just love this style and his style, like as I got to know him and got to work with him is very much, uh, you know, uh, he, he was just basically capturing Newcastle in different angles and incorporating it into his, uh, his music mm. videos and it was just so it was so unique and and, and well, whereabouts very... did you film if you don't mind me asking um so a few different places but the main part that was actually you know that was newcastle newcastle was um off one of the beach. it was near the beach but it was like a big rocky part leading into the water mm-hmm. yeah like it was really cool. yeah I'm, like i that. wish i could remember the exact name to be honest i was just winging it when i was there i had no idea where <laughs> i was going um it was so much fun though um it's such a beautiful place and even like you know i was there for a few days so i you know spent a lot of time exploring walking through the city and um yeah it was just what a spot like as you said there was even like the the cafe scene had it Mm. was was top notch i was i was surprised (laughs) because i really had no clue really about newcastle outside of uh it being my brother-in-law's hometown and he, he always mm. talks about the nights and I don't even follow rugby. So <laughs> I, I just nod and, uh, you know, say, Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it looks like such a, a nice place. I really would love to play a show there when, uh, COVID uh, leaves us be for yeah. the future <laughs> one day. Yeah, Hopefully well, by the time this episode is you. out, <laughs> like <laughs> somehow COVID has just stopped. So you never know. Wishful thinking. <laughs> Yeah, we'd love to have you. You should definitely come and play a show here. Yeah, we'll definitely have to tee it up. We can do a show together. That's what we should do. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, now, obviously, um, as I sort of touched on earlier, we, we know each other through Listen Up Music and or music in general in the online space. But um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I obviously know that you, you work in mental health as well. Um I'm really interested to to ask like what what drew you to that that field of work and even like you know going from that field of work to getting into a music charity like what sort of mm. you know pushed you in that direction um well it's sort of been a gradual merging of my passions i suppose um mm. so when i when I started university, I decided I didn't want to do a music degree um even though i'd I'd been studying music since I was a kid um I was like, I, I really feel like I need to have something else, <laughs> um, some other thing, you know, that's in my life because music I was an obsession, you know, and, yeah. and my, my dad being a musician as well, it was just there was, there was always music around and I'm like, I need to have something else. Um, so I wanted to study law originally and, um, and I didn't get the marks I needed to go into Newcastle University. So I was like, I'm going to do arts for a year, see how I go, maybe I can earn some credit and try again. And I ended up studying mm. psychology um, in my first year and, and really loved it. Um, I was fascinated by it. You know, I was, I was studying some other things as well. I was studying drama and, you know, obviously fascinated by human behavior um, mm. and the way that we respond to the world. You know, that's always been really um, interesting to me and I, that's something I often explore through my music. So, um, yeah, so I just kind of kept going with it and I ended up changing my degree to a Bachelor of Psych um, and I finished with an honours. Oh, awesome. And then decided I didn't really want to be a psychologist as such um, to be kind of doing that, you know, frontline kind of clinical work. Uh, it just wasn't really where I saw myself. Um, so I ended up kind of working in the very upstream end of mental health, so kind of that sort of early promotion and prevention, you know, um, Mm. working with people at a time before they get to a kind of crisis situation, Um, you Mm. know, educating people on how to take good care of their mental health so that they don't ever have to get to that point. Um, And I did that for many years with with lots of different sectors. So I, I did a lot of work with the media and about how we communicate about mental health and things like mental illness and suicide. Mm. And um and then I started working on this project that was with people in film, so or film, television, theatre, so any any kind of fictional portrayals of mental health issues. Um, we would go around doing these workshops with like scriptwriters and producers, and um, basically we were just like the conduit between 
um, people with actual lived experience of mental health issues and and the script writers and we would kind of feed them these incredible real life stories Mm. Um, and they loved it they totally lapped it up because it was like this is great this is giving me this whole new fresh approach to story writing and um, it was a really Mm. beautiful experience a lovely thing to be part of and then I started working on some community projects that were kind of using drama and music with young people and and using that to kind of communicate some mental health messaging and to get young people kind of taking some ownership of of those issues as well and and Mm. taking it on for themselves and then they would go and talk about it with their peers and um and it was just a much more effective way of kind of getting people having that discussion so um and then you know i was realizing more and more i'd I'd been trying to keep these two lives really separate because in the background i'm still doing my music you know music was paying Mm. my rent it was paying me to get through university you know um Mm. it it was you know i'd been a professional musician since i was about 14 and um Mm. And I could, I could gradually see, even though I was trying to keep, you know, my professional life and my music life separated, they were, they just kept running into each other. And then, you know, as soon as you start having conversations with, um, any kind of creative person, um, and particularly musicians, then they start disclosing, you know, all of the mental health issues that they've experienced. Mm. So I was like, this, I feel like I'm meant to be in this space, you know, um, and I, I just, I came across Listen Up before they were Listen Up music back in the old days of the top, um, top ten night, and mm. and I saw that they were taking on ambassadors, and I was like, you know, I'd be a really great fit for this organisation. I'd love to come and help you and support you. And I got in touch with Ali, and and I was, you know, helping them out at that point. And then when they became a charity, Ali was like, oh, you should um, think about you know, putting your hand up to be on the board. And I was like, I, I can't be on a board. I'm just a musician. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and he was like, no, no, you're exactly what, what we need. You've got that, that mix of, of experience and skills and knowledge um, that, that will be really important to us. So, yeah, so I kind of, I joined the board and it's been such a beautiful experience and a wonderful thing to be a part of and watch it the way that it has evolved and grown despite all of the challenges of mm. the last few years um, to watch this amazing organization, you know, really flourish and, and to see the impact that it's had on so many people in our industry and, you know, hearing their stories of, of how it's helped them is it's just a wonderfully rewarding thing to be a part of. And yeah, um, I hope I get to do it for, for much longer. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, look, I think you're a great fit. And it's actually so awesome hearing about like how you got into mental health and the work you were doing, because straight away, it was so easy to see why you were like, you, you're obviously a great fit for Listen Up Music. It's such a, a cool, uh, you know, cool thing to hear. And I think, um, you know, having the mindset and it's definitely something that I, I don't think I really had until I got involved with Listen Up as an am, as an ambassador all mm. many many years ago was the idea that you know taking action on mental health is mm. just as is more important than just being aware um oh, absolutely or, yeah and it's something and that's that, the you thing know, that i that's the thing i i really cherish about listen up music is that i feel like that's the thing that really sets us apart um is that we we have this focus on, on people um, and on, you know, building connections and building community, um, all of those things that really bolster people's mental health. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of focus in other areas on, you know, supporting people in crisis, which is really important, but it's not uh, like, I feel like this part of the work is, is so much more important about mm. protecting people, you know, um, and that, yeah, that's the thing I love about the work that Listen Up does. I feel like it's really unique in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, like even, you know, just relating it to my own journey with my own mental health. And I've always been, I've always felt like I've been very aware of mental health and I've been aware that you can have issues. You know, I, I you know, I'd been touched by people who have, you know, lost their lives to mental health. And mm. so I was very aware of it. But yeah, it, it really, it's, it's amazing when you really start to, to cross over to the action side even just from a personal level like what you can gain out of taking ownership of your own mental health is Mm. is so empowering and I think 
you know, listen up, spread that message better than anyone I've ever seen. And that's definitely why I wanted to stay involved with them. And, you know, similar to you, like Ellie asked about my interest to join the board. And I was like, I'm a musician, man. Are you really sure? (laughs) (laughs) Even to message a different Jordan? Um, But yeah. But that's that's why I was actually really excited when they mentioned that that you were going to be joining and and a couple of our other new members as well. Because I'm like, we're really lacking that that perspective Mm. um of you know the lived experience of being a musician a working musician um because you know the people on our board have a whole range of different skills which are really important but that that perspective is is the most important one um is you know understanding the people that we're working for so i'm really glad that you're here (laughs) yeah definitely and it's funny i sit in our board meetings and i i just love just to sit and listen to the diverse as you said the diverse range of people we've got um you know working to make this charity known and and to fight the good fight it's it's just incredible like it's just it's sometimes i just don't even want to speak up at the at the meetings i just like to listen to everyone else's opinions because it's so unique and so it's just so great to listen sometimes (laughs) yeah i agree definitely yeah so um i was gonna ask as well because it's something i've you know, I definitely found myself doing a bit more cooking during lockdowns and stuff. Mm. But did you have any hobbies that you sort of got into, like over the past few years? Obviously, outside of the song a week thing that you mentioned that you were doing <laughs> earlier. But was there anything that you sort of did to pass your time a bit differently, or that you found that you you actually really enjoyed something that you didn't think you'd enjoy? Well, I I actually um, because I'm a glutton for punishment, <laughs> I um I actually did I picked up study so i um i threw myself into a master's of mental Mm. health um which i recently actually exited from because um i'm now pursuing a phd (laughs) so yeah because i wasn't busy enough um yeah yeah of course not (laughs) so i i started doing this master's because i was like well i've got time on my hands i'd really like to you know just kind of re-engage with that world of you know the academic side of of psychology and mental health Mm. because i hadn't been involved in it for such a long time and i'm like i want to see what's new and what's happening um and it was a real eye eye opener because a lot of the stuff i was studying was about kind of um the service side of mental health so Mm. um you know people who are really on that kind of front line and yeah it was great i learned a lot from it but again it wasn't an area i saw myself kind of working in but every time I was given, you know, an assignment um, that involved researching any particular population, I always came back to musicians. Mm. And so it was good in a way because it helped me learn a lot more about what was happening on the academic side of things. And it actually showed me that there isn't a lot, you know, we're not a very um, studied population. And Mm. stuff that exists on us is, again, it's very problem focused. It's very like, okay, we know that there's an issue here. Like this is a high risk population for things like depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, all of that stuff. Mm. But again, there weren't any solutions really being provided. Um, Mm. And so I actually wrote a paper um, on looking at that, examining that, saying, you know, here's a scoping review of all the literature on musicians and mental health and what we find is that there's there it's not telling us enough about what's working to protect them or to Mm. serve them um and so you know i was really lucky i had the support of some senior academics at the university i was studying with and um we got this paper published and it you know it made me realize that that's probably where i should be focusing my energy so Mm. um so yeah I'm, i'm really i'm looking to do some research now at a phd level um and it's gonna be you know, I, I think, you know, I can't say too much about it yet because ha- it hasn't gone through the approval process. But, mm. um, you know, I'm really interested to know what it is that makes musicians thrive. Um, you know, we talk a mm. lot about all the all the problems and all the risks um, and all, you know, the things that can potentially go wrong. But there must be a certain section of people out there who are surviving and who are thriving and I mean, mm. we know, we get to see a lot of them through the work that we're doing with Listen Up, which is great. Mm. But I'm like, I want to learn more about that because I feel like if we can tap into that, um, we're going to really be able to, to offer some, you know, help to people, some really tangible 
help, which is just so lacking at the moment. As you said, there's not a lot of action in this area. There's a lot of talk um, and a lot of discussion about, you know, this problem that exists, but but no solutions. So, yeah, that's I'm really interested in that now. Um, And so, you know, it wasn't exactly the most relaxing thing to do (laughs) (laughs) as such, but um, but it's definitely been interesting. Yeah, oh, that sounds amazing. And I think it's going to be such an awesome journey to watch from afar. And I think as well, like it once again aligns really amazingly with, with what Listen Up are trying to do. And it's almost like there, if only there was an answer to that question. So, um, mm. you know, of, you know, as you said, with in music with musicians. So it's going to be really awesome to see how that all goes. Yeah. Hmm. Hopefully it doesn't take, you know, 10 years or however long PhDs normally take. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I never went to uni, so I have no idea in the slightest on, on that yeah. sort of stuff. But Probably looking like three to four years at the moment. So well, that's all. We'll that's see. actually pretty good, hey? Yeah. And then you can Fingers you can crossed. actually call yourself Dr. Amy V, right? So. <laughs> well, I'm not, I mean, not going to jump that far ahead yet. <laughs> oh, look, I will. Okay, Doc. No. <laughs> I've already got friends who are calling me Doc. I'm like, slow down, slow down. <laughs> oh, look, I feel like if you're going to do a PhD, like one half of the reason needs to be, you know, what you're passionate about, what you're really wanting to, hmm. you know, learn about and what you're wanting to give back to the world. And I think the other half has to be to get the title doctor. You know, it's just <laughs> <laughs> that that for me, that's at least 50% of the pull of, of doing a PhD. But once again, I didn't go to uni, so what do I know? <laughs> I don't know part of it kind of terrifies me though because I'm like what if I'm in one of those situations that they're like is there a doctor in the house <laughs> you're like I'm not that kind of doctor <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that would actually it's just like that would be a, a hilarious situation in a non-serious <laughs> moment like if it's not too serious like someone's just stubbed their toe is there a doctor i am but i can heal your mind (laughs) i can can tell you why you're in pain right now but uh... childhood yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i hurt my toe (laughs) oh amy this has been so much fun having you on and it's once again it's been so awesome to to learn more about you as a person and how you became a musician and how uh you know and and your journey in in the mental health field it's just so it's so awesome and i think you know the work you're doing you know with us and up is awesome but you know i think what you've told me with going for this phd is just so exciting and i think as well with your music i think your um your, your music especially like on this like in terms of how your sound is coming together is just like it's cracking tune after cracking tune and I'm really, really excited to see what what this year holds, and hopefully, assuming COVID doesn't get in the way, um, hopefully mm. I, I should see you, you know, in a couple of months' time. And are you um yeah. you're, are you going to be at, you're at um Torchfest Sydney, yeah? I am performing at Sydney Torchfest, yes. Perfect. If it ever well, happens, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Which yeah, which iteration were you performing at the? first five that were posted. yeah all of them so or... far yep yep I think I've performed at you know four or five up to now yep um yeah look it's at this stage it's looking like second of April so um crossing everything that 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 comes off it's actually looking like it's going to be amazing now because you know all the iterations of of that festival you know we've so we had to downsize and then we, we went up again and then we downsized again and it was, it's actually looking like it's going to be a proper event now which is really really exciting so yeah yeah absolutely and then you think we've got this amazing sydney event assuming once again i'm gonna i just touched wood just to be safe (laughs) um then also the brisbane event which is at probably my one of my favorite venues in brisbane um and then we've got obviously canberra and melbourne like four Mm. festivals if we can pull this off against all odds, it yeah. would just be some achievement. Yeah. Uh, I think, to be honest, like I think the fact that, um, you know, not to give Ali a big head, but the fact that he has just been so steadfast in getting these festivals going, no matter how many setbacks 
you know, he's had to deal with and face. And, you know, he's the first person every single person involved is calling when there's a problem. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Ali, if you listen to this, mate. Yeah. You're a legend. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you for amazing. persisting. <laughs> very, very inspiring human. He's worked harder than any of us. It's, yeah, his he work is. has been incredible. Yeah, he is a truly incredible person. Um, but once again, I don't want to give him a big head. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I just want to say as well, like thank you so much for coming on. It's once again, it's been such a pleasure having you on. And I just want to ask one last question before I let you go and sure. hopefully enjoy some dinner or something. Um, <laughs> what is something, and this can be a person, it can be anything, um, but what's something or someone that you're grateful for? Uh, my kids. Yeah. So I've got, I've got two kids, they're age four and seven Mm. and, um, they have been like the thing that's got me through this last few years, I swear. Um, Mm. you know, they're only little humans and they don't really understand the world that well just yet. But, um, yeah, they've really been such a protective factor for me. Just, you know, whenever anything is not quite going right, I just look at them and think, you know, they need me and, um, and I need to be here for them. And, you know, I want to make sure that this is a world that, you know, is going to be good for them. So yeah, I think I'm super grateful for them. Oh, that's, that's great. Are they, I feel like four and seven, are they, that sounds like it would be a pretty good age, right? Yeah. They're kind of, they're both at that age now where they kind of develop their own little characters um mm. so yeah it's, it's it's good fun it's 100 miles an hour but um <laughs> yeah it's it's hectic some days but it's yeah amazing as well so you you are raising two kids you you're going for a phd um you're a board member for listen up music and you're a professional musician um i hope you you manage to get at least like two three hours sleep a night um (laughs) well yeah i mean with all the additional anxiety at the moment sleep's pretty elusive but yeah um no look I, i have a very rich life but i'm i'm super grateful for that and i don't think i would know myself if if I wasn't doing all of those things, you know, that's always, yeah. I've always been the kind of person who likes to be kind of on the go and have a lot of projects on the boil. It just kind of makes me feel like I have something, something of value to contribute. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely like, honestly, just sounds like a life full of richness and purpose. Like you've got, you know, you've got so many important things that you're contributing to and you're really well and truly making a difference. So plenty to be proud of. And, um, oh, I mean, me. and I, look, I, and I can't wait till I can actually say, you know, Dr. Dr. V. <laughs> <laughs> Not only because I can say, well, you know, I'm friends with a doctor, right? Like, <laughs> it's a, it sounds like a hip hop name or something, isn't Dr. it? Dr. V. You, see, musicians don't do genres, right? That's going to be yeah. your side project in a couple of years time. Dr. V in the house, you know, it would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, thanks again, Amy, for coming on. It's been fantastic. You have a wonderful night. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.